and welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Sam Haihai from the Native Creative. Sam is an experiential designer working across Aotearoa New Zealand. She works as the Native Creative with her own clients, other studios, and on her own projects. Sam loves solving problems and building strategies. She considers herself a neo-generalist, a change maker, and a digital explorer. Sam trained as a graphic designer and over the past seven years has collected a range of skills to help her create solutions in all sorts of new and exciting ways. Kia ora, Sam. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'd like to start at the beginning and ask you, where do you come from? Well, I might start with a quick um, mihi whakatau just to introduce myself mm. a moment. Hakua he iti he painamu, tihe modi order, he mihi tenei ki ranganui rawa ko papatuanuku, he mihi tenei ki ngamate, he mihi tenei ki tato e hui maine. Kite taha toku kuia, ko rua pehu te maunga, ko wanganui te awa, ko matere hoa hoa te tangata, ko unuku te iwi, ko te kere nataeroa te tipuna. Uh, ko tawata te kainga, uh, ki te taha tōku koro, ko tongarero te maunga, ko wanganui te awa, ko nati haua te iwi, ko nati tū te hapu, uh, ko ngāpū waiwaha te marae, uh, ko Sam Ho. Nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Um, so yeah, where I'm from, uh, it's an interesting question. I don't necessarily... Um, I guess I grew up um, with an, a military father, so we kind of moved around New Zealand quite a bit. Um, and then as an adult, I'm a uh, bit of a digital nomad, so I move around a lot, so I don't necessarily connect to one place. Um, my whanau are from Tomaranui, and I'm on a bit of a journey to um, connect myself to uh, the whenua that uh, is in our whanau right now. Um, and I guess I would... I would say that I'm from there, um, but I don't actually live there. Um, and like I said, I'm uh, a bit of a nomad, so I, I usually am in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, or the King Country. Um, in terms of where I came from and my background, um, I've always been really interested in design. Um, I actually, as a young child, got into painting and, and sketching. I actually used to, I started off drawing Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon and that graduated into um, graffiti. I used to do a lot of big murals and stuff. Um, and then from there, I got into kind of photorealistic painting, which was really cool. And I, and I was quite good um, at an early age. And, and I think I knew always that I was going to be some kind of artist or creative. And then in terms of like how I got into design, I was really fortunate that I had uh, my mum's best friend uh, was Doug Dyke, who's an amazing um, painter um, in the Pacifica space. And so she kind of gave me advice around how artists don't make money. Um, and she was actually a teacher part-time. I was quite um, disciplined and hardworking and very motivated. So I actually interviewed a whole bunch of designers when I was probably about 15, 16, and just asked them what their life was like and what they did in and out. And, and I went to a couple of like 
career expos, which there was a lot of web design advertising around the time. And so I kind of saw the connection between being an artist and being a designer and maybe not getting into the web space, but finding a space in between because I knew that web design was good money and artists didn't really make anything. So, so design for me was like the thing in the middle. When I was in high school, I did art, photography and design and, and kind of got into it from there. I I applied for Elam and Auckland University and all those places, um, but eventually decided that I wanted to go to technical college because I was more practical than academic. Um, and I wanted to kind of, you know, do one or two years rather than spending three years. So I made the decision not to go to any of the universities that I was accepted into and instead enrolled in media design school. But before I actually went into study, I saved for two years because my dad wouldn't sign the piece of paper to get a student allowance. So I was like, oh, my God, I need to make money. So I saved um, almost 30K, um, moved to Auckland and paid off my first year of accommodation. I got a scholarship, so I was really lucky and started like a baseline course. Um, and that was 3D web graphic design animation. After that course, I got a little bit confused because it's kind of good at everything. Um, so I flipped a coin, I got graphic design, did a diploma, and then got a job at a small startup, um, which was like a well-being app. Before it was like trendy, um, it was, you know, goal setting and NLP and um, stuff like that. Um, and so I worked there for three years, um, got to do a little bit of everything, grew a team, became a design lead. And then, yeah, after that, I went freelance for six months. Um, then I got into advertising, felt like I sold my soul to the devil. So I wanted to do something for the community. So then I became a teacher. Um, I did that for three years and I taught a mixture of web, um, graphic design, photography, and did quite a few initiatives for the community and the students. Then I realized that after about three years, I was getting a bit rusty or I felt disconnected from the industry. So I jumped back in um, this time in the future tech world, um, worked for Phantom, um, who are called PHQ here in New Zealand, where they did kind of future tech stuff like projection mapping, IoT, AR, VR. I got into AR, um, building face filters and stuff and helped the business to kind of get more of that work in by building a portfolio of fun little games that I made on the side um, with the team. And then after that, I kind of started, I guess I started getting a lot of multi projects um, put on my plate and I felt really disingenuous kind of applying myself to these briefs and starting to have a lot of really hard conversations with people who weren't really understanding of it. Um, so I decided that I needed to go work for a Maldi studio and start exploring that. Um, so I started working for a Maldi studio that didn't work out, unfortunately, um, but I continued on with uh, immersing myself, um, signed up to Tikanga and decided to go full-time freelance um, and wanted to kind of get more multi projects and social outcome things, which I kind of did. And now here I am um, kind of being a digital nomad, moving around. And yeah, that's that's kind of, sorry, I'm not sure if I rambled too long, but yeah, that's me. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like you've always been a highly motivated individual. You know, did you kind of get that from your now or um, any other people or in particular in your life? 
Well, my dad was in the military mm. um, and he was very strict. He kind of treated us like soldiers. Uh, we'd get a hiding if we didn't do it properly. Mm. You know, he used to make us stand to attention. So wow. I guess um, I learned as a young child that it wasn't safe to be per- not perfect, mm. <laughs> which, you know, it, it comes from trauma, but also there's there's mm. positive aspects to it. And I think, you know, he was constantly drumming into me, you know, you need to find a job that's going to pay the bills and you mm. need to be responsible. Like he didn't really, he didn't give us anything for free. We had to work for it um, as children. Like I remember doing like, you know, mowing the lawns, doing the washing, doing the vacuuming, like cleaning the whole house every single day. Um, so I think he kind of drummed that hard work mm. um, ethic into me. So definitely I think I got it from him. You know, in terms of, you know, always being um, having that passion for art and then coming into design, was that a pathway that you were, in, you know, that you were allowed to follow then and, and encouraged to follow? Um, my dad and my parents, they didn't really care what I did as long as I was responsible and that I did I think that, um, you know, being a teacher and talking to various parents, I think in the Pacifica and Māori community, the arts isn't as recognised as um, something that can bring you money. But I guess my parents always kind of, yeah, they were supportive of whatever I did. As long as I made money and, and was responsible, they they didn't really care too much, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and it's interesting to kind of separate that out, isn't it, that it's... Um that underlying theme of more like looking after yourself and and um, being self-sufficient but allowing you to to do that in a way that you wanted to do so you know you're talking um, talk now about um, immersing yourself in um, te ao Māori and that journey for yourself and and has that led you to um, kind of work out or it's always a work in progress but um figure out what's important to you and what your values are and how this um, plays into how you live as a designer? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that I've realised, you know, I I guess when I was younger, just to give a bit of context, Mm. when I was younger in high school, we were put into a room and had a meeting every month where they would basically put up statistics and tell us that we were, um, because we're Māori or Pacifica, that we were failing and that we needed our grades up. And I think I made a decision when I was younger that I needed to be not Māori and and pursue a Pākehā life where I um, put all my eggs in one basket. And I really just thought, I'm going to prove everyone wrong. I'm going to get a career. I'm going to be successful. And and I kind of cut myself off to my Māori side and, and also my family. Like I moved to a school that I knew was across the other side of the country from my family and I guess I put my head down and worked towards my career. And so when I finally put my head up to kind of think about that and explore it and obviously being challenged with really hard conversations around Māori art and stuff, I really started to kind of see um, the disconnection in myself and how that had really, how colonisation had really affected me personally. And, And I guess I started to kind of uncover the real me which I actually realized um, over the last year that I actually really enjoy connecting with my family and um, actually realized that I can make a really good impact on my family and help them and and be with them so I've realized definitely um, some of my underlying values that were maybe um, quashed in my first kind of few years in the design world I definitely have found myself and found value in helping my community for sure. And and that way that you're living now, as you say, as a digital nomad, um, is that kind of 
you know, reflective of of um, finding that heart for yourself? Oh, definitely. I mean, I guess I, the the decision to become a nomad um, it kind of naturally happened after I went through that journey because I realised that I'd surrounded my whole life around my career. And I didn't make time for family or connecting with friends. You know, even my social life was pretty poor in terms of me having time for it. And so I kind of wanted to flip the script and make my life about my family and and friends and, and having time to myself because I guess also mentioning about the whole trauma, like mm. I often took myself into a burnout situation. So actually flipping that and revolving my life around my family and then making time for design was really important. Um, And it's definitely made a huge impact. I've managed to spend so much time with family and still actually maintain my design career, which I was a bit nervous about, but it definitely, I mean, it has its ups and downs and challenges, but it's definitely, I feel much better as a person and much more healthier. And were there, you know, kind of, were there like instances or kind of any, or one thing in particular, you know, throughout this kind of first part of your career that um, led you to kind of realising the importance of connecting to your whānau and and um, to tell Māori? I mean, I think that uh, probably the biggest thing that affected me was being asked to work on Māori stuff mm-hmm. and myself as Māori and, and not feeling like authentically that I could do that and and not actually knowing about that I think definitely influenced it but it's definitely been in the last part of my career um, not really early stages mm. I, I remember having a flatmate who was from Argentina and she started learning Māori and then eventually she surpassed me and I just felt really guilty that someone from a different country had learnt my language mm. and I hadn't been able to keep up so that definitely affected me but nothing in terms of the work. In terms of your design work as a young designer were there you know particular inspirations um, other studios or designers that you um, look to? I mean I've always kind of danced to the beat of my own drum Um, I've always been a bit of a non-conformist and and I do like to kind of use my own perspective and values to kind of make stuff and and I didn't I don't think I've ever had a like somebody who I see as inspiration I think also being that I'm multifaceted um you know got design photography um AR like there's a lot of facets so I don't have one particular person I've got a lot of mentors but um no not necessarily that mm. makes yeah, and I think that's what makes um, your work unique and every designer's work unique is is um, drilling into your own story and bringing that to your work and, and putting your values and your perspectives into that. So, yeah, I really appreciate and hear what you're saying there. And um, so now um, working uh, freelance for yourself as a digital nomad, what does your day-to-day look like? I imagine it has great vari- variety in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, no day looks the same. Um, And it really just depends on what I'm working on. Yeah. And and like I mentioned, I'm putting family first. So Mm -hmm. spending a lot of time and I I feel like I'm on holiday most of the time. I'm either in holiday mode or I'm in work mode um, and I'll sit at my computer all day. Um, But I don't, yeah, it it all just really varies. Mm. Being that I'm also working on a variety of projects with a variety of kind of outputs. So one day I might be illustrating, the next 
day I might be discussing strategy and, and problem solving. The next day I might be creating a publication. It just really changes. Yeah. And do you have any rituals, do you think, that kind of get you into um, the flow and into your process? Um, I definitely um, do a lot of self-reflection at the beginning and end of my day. I try to manifest um, or look through my to-do list and manifest things that I can um, work on. And, and yeah, I guess it's definitely um, being the, like you probably start to get a, an idea of the person that I am and I'm quite sporadic and I'm all, all over the place. I find it really hard to have routine. Mm. But that's the one thing that I probably do is, um, yeah, do a bit of self-reflection on what I can work on um, and then at the end of the day um, just reflect on how I went. But that's probably the only thing that I have. Yeah, I think it's really important to even have those small things where it's like, you, as you say, you're having that check-in with yourself and just prioritising what you need to get done for the day and then reflecting on, on that at the end of the day. In the years that you've been practising in the field of design, you know, as you've said, you've um, touched on a lot of different areas um, from everything from photography and illustration through to um, AR. So in that time, um, you know, what are some of the changes that you've seen or, or do you think there have been some big shifts in the field of design? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, there's been shifts everywhere across a variety of things. I think I feel like it's in terms of my situation, um, I've noticed that bigger agencies maybe are getting less work and there's a lot more work going to contractors and small agencies that are kind of multifaceted, um, being that there's a lot of overheads and then there's a lot of political stuff that happens within those agencies. But maybe that's just my um, perspective. I think definitely there's a lot more cultural awareness happening and even in the last four years I've noticed that people have become um, a little bit... Uh, better at navigating those situations um, and I do think that it's um, being that I'm one of the very few Māori designers on a lot of the um, recruitment um, sites definitely it's a trend to get a Māori designer maybe back in the day it wasn't so much and I know there's very few of us so I, I guess I get a lot of requests um, so I can kind of see that firsthand that we're really valued, which is a really cool thing. And then in terms of like the UX world, I think that that's kind of growing a lot and it's really cool to see different design studios kind of bringing in that um, approach, which is much more people-driven. And, and um, in terms of the experiential world, um, there's a lot more room to convince a company to do strategy and actually work through the problems they're trying to solve before they actually start solutioning. Mm. So that's, I mean, it's still a challenge, but it's definitely come up. Um, yeah. I think it's really neat that opportunity for, as you say, individuals and um, people like maybe um, teams that work together to uh, get more of, of the work. Um, and, you know, that's something as well then that feeds directly into being able to, live how you want to and live in accordance um, with your values. And I think, you know, that leads to uh, a greater diversity, not only of people in the design community, but also that diversity of um, thought if we can support people's way of, of um, living while they're working. So that's really cool. In terms of that kind of strategy then, you know, how much time do you kind of give to spending on that strategic direction or that research up front in a project? Um, do you see that as very important? 
Oh, 100%. I mean, that's the biggest key part of my project. I think moving from the studio world, agency life, to kind of being more on social impact, um, I'm finding I definitely spend a lot of time getting to know the customer and instead of kind of just doing what I'm told and, oh, yeah, they want this, um, I spend a lot of time trying to understand because often, you know, they'll go, oh, I need this, but actually they don't really know what they need and so I guess I get to I like to try to understand what actually they need and and I guess being a contractor I've got more freedom rather than working under an agency and kind of you know sorry I can't even remember what question you've asked oh no that's right I'm talking of yeah just the importance of that um research and that strategic direction up front and you talked about learning and training in a more practical way um so where did where did you um, pick up these skills of research and, and strategic direction? Was that embedded in, in your learning or was it along the way? Well, I think because I started off um, in a small startup where it was research or scientifically mm. based yeah. um, and then obviously being um, it was an app, so we had to do app design, so you go into the product design world mm. um, and then you've got all of these different frameworks which you work within and, and I guess research is a key part of mm. being able to sell um, a stakeholder, an idea or, you know, a solution and I think that that has kind of um, definitely um, inspired me and then I think when I was when I was in UB I was teaching UX as well and I really got into that kind of strategy part of it um, and then working at PHQ obviously experiential design there is a bit of, a bit of research and and a lot of the stuff that they did was experimental but then we had to do the research because we were the first ones to do it so I think I've picked up skills over the years in, in a variety of roles. And if um, young designers or students wanted, wanted to pick up these skills but they, they're not working in places that are utilising them um, where would you say that people could could do that learning for themselves how would you encourage them to do that well I think for me personally I don't really get into research unless I'm actually really interested in the topic and I think I let my passion drive that um, and I become very stubborn so once I've put my mind on something I, I really go for it um, I think the internet's full of a lot of cool resources and navigating that is a really important part of it. So learning how to navigate the internet and actually, I guess, applying a, a bit of critical thinking and, and maybe researching into that if you don't know what that is. But picking a project that you're really passionate about and then kind of going on an exploration, I think, would be a first starting kind of point. And then, you know, there's a lot of online courses and stuff but I think it's really key that you um, pick something that you enjoy researching rather than something that's just gonna make you fail and and get bored yeah (laughs) Um, and do you have kind of a kind of what it's not really a hobby but you know do you like read novels or non-fiction or is there a way that you kind of um, stimulate yourself in terms of like developing these critical thinking um, skills and and further research skills um, I mean, I read a lot of Medium articles. I do, I, I mean, I, I'm quite obsessive about things. So once I like something, I'll just mm. sign up to a, like a newsletter and, and I'll start finding a particular kind of magazine or whatever that mm. I can do research into. Um, and yeah, I do, I do, I do read a bit, but predominantly it's um, nonfiction these days. And yeah, yeah, a lot of podcasts and a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. Is there a particular podcast you're listening to at the moment that you'd recommend? I love 
it, it varies so often and I get bored of things. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm listening to a mixture of everything from like learning to deal to mm. um, conspiracy theories yeah. and all of that. I don't have any particular at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's that general kind of like hunger for knowledge, right, and wanting to learn about the world as a whole. Then we can feed into our design practice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and do you retain any kind of art practice or creative practice outside of your work or are you fully immersed in your work and that's enough? Um, yeah, I definitely need to do stuff for myself um, on the side, um, I guess part of my Māori journey has been um, immersing myself in um, weaving, and I've just actually bought an online um, one of it's like a hand carving tool because um, I'd really like to get into carving. I harvested my first bird um, over lockdown. The cat caught a bird, um, and so I'm trying to start to collect feathers so I can make a kōrowai. So I'm really trying to immerse myself in the Māori arts. Um, and then I do I do a lot of illustration just for myself. Um, I used to be into acrylic painting and, and do photorealistic stuff, but I probably do less of that right now. But I would say that most everything that I'd like, I'll make a face filter for fun or I'll, I'll do whatever I, I feel like really. And I've been trying to channel that into creating stock recently and trying to build a passive income with illustrations and different resources. But yeah, I, I, I it all merges together into one and yeah, but I definitely mm. do stuff for myself. And outside of that, um, how do you disconnect and then reconnect to yourself? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting question because mm. I feel like with the materialistic world and being like in the digital space, I feel completely disconnected to myself. Mm. Um, and it's times where I go out to my whenua and just because we've got no power or water and there's kind of like this shack and um, we've got a massive bamboo forest and um, ngahere behind that and it's just... I guess that's the place that I go to kind of reconnect with myself. I guess I'm talking about spirituality mm. here. But, yeah, taking that time out to go and see Fano and to just be in nature I think is probably the way that I connect to myself. And then also, like I mentioned, doing a lot of self-reflection um, at the start and the end of the day. Um, and I am into tarot, so I do myself a tarot reading every now and then just to check in with myself. So that's probably how I do that. And um, finally... I'll just ask you for any words of wisdom that you'd like to share with other designers and creators out there. Ooh. <laughs> um, I think the advice that I can give is, is probably just be yourself. Do it the way that you want to do it. I think there's a lot of pressure um, to kind of fit into this construct that we live in and, and kind of, you know, there's a certain way that we do things. And I guess in my experience, it is a challenge to kind of push against the grain, but ultimately you know if you can be yourself authentically and do things that suit you and put yourself first you know you'll probably find that um, it's better for your well-being <laughs> but yeah just be yourself and do what you think is right um, not what others think awesome Namahi Sam it's been really great to hear about um, where you come from and your journey so far as a designer it's really inspiring to see you um learn about yourself and discover who you are and then and have the courage to uh, to live and work in a way that aligns with your values so I really appreciate um, you taking the time and energy today thank you 
Oh, thank you for your time.